Hey, what's up, you guys? Back again, episode two of the Drive to Dayton. I uh, got a good episode planned for you. Um, really looking forward to this one. Uh, got some good feedback from last week's show. Uh, people, Ohio high school hoops, basketball junkies around the state, um, probably will listen to anything, but uh, <laughs> they did listen to us last week. Uh, hopefully we provided some information and some entertainment along the way. I promise we will we will be better this week. We'll be 1% better this week than we were last week. Um, gentlemen, how are we doing? How's it going? Going good. Uh, a little bit of a, a slower week for me. Probably the first Tuesday that I've taken off in a while. Uh, getting ready for a weekend trip out to Northwest Ohio. So I think I'll see about six games this weekend. Okay. And then I uh, went up to Akron on Saturday to watch the Ohio Bobcats and unfortunately did not go um, our way. Uh, just rough game for Ohio. Um, but, yep, cool story. The uh, um, Enrique Freeman. Um, who TJ, you would know what uh, Cleveland Senate League school he played at. He went to St. Martin de Porres. Yeah, and um, so he uh, was, was he a walk-on at Akron? He was a walk-on originally, obviously now on scholarship. Um, yeah, he was a guy just kind of like a definition of a late bloomer. I mean, he, I think, averaged like eight points, seven rebounds, something along those lines, uh, as a senior in high school. Um, I, I wasn't even familiar with who he was until he got to Akron. Um, yeah, and no, I was like one of the, one of the better mid-major bigs in the country. Yeah. He gave Ohio 32 points, 15 rebounds on 14 of 18 from the field. So having a huge year, not just that game, but, um, I believe that's a career high for him. Those are Shaq Eady numbers. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, let's uh, let's jump into this. Uh, I don't know if you guys got a chance to think about this or not, but uh, I'll start with you, Mike. Who who is uh, who is your team of the week, or or who is jumping out to you this past week? Um, you know, when uh, when looking at um, the team uh, the team of the week, I, I know uh, Dayton Carroll recently got a good win over Shamanad uh, Julian. Um, that was a team that, that kind of jumped out to me. So Sean McKittrick, um, pretty talented senior um, for them. Um, you're putting me on the spot here. Um, I, I watched, I went to Hamilton against Middletown and Hamilton got a uh, impressive win. Uh, senior guard Cooper Matthews uh, been putting up big time scoring numbers in the GMC. Um, and then also, I guess I'll shout out another team that I saw, Louisville. Um, Junior uh, wing guard Hayden uh, Nigro uh, had 41 points, um, set a school record with 19 made free throws. Um, Louisville uh, is averaging a 94.5 points a game in their last four games. Um, they had like 106 in a rivalry victory over Alliance, so they are uh, putting the ball in the basket as well as anybody in the state. They got a pretty talented team. Uh, went far last year in Division Two. Now making the move up to Division One, going to be interesting to see 
how they fare in the tournament. They could be a little bit of a sleeper team um, because they don't play in one of the bigger conferences in Northeast Ohio, um, but they certainly have offensive talent. So those will be a couple teams I'm shouting out. How about you, TJ? Yeah, I, I liked it. Mike uh, brought up Louisville, a team that went to the regional finals uh, last year, uh, lost to St. V, who obviously ended up winning the state championship. Uh, I think Louisville, had they stayed Division Two, uh, would be very much so in the discussion uh, in regards to you know Division Two teams, probably top five, top eight in the state. I would say somewhere in that ballpark. So it's unfortunate that St. V moved up to Division One. Right, kind of opening the door for Louisville, and then they also joined them in Division One. So, uh, been unfortunate, but like I said, I think uh, Mike hit the nail on the head. I think they're a team that can compete with anybody. Uh, a team I want to give a shout out to, team that hasn't won a whole lot over the last ten years. You know, Cincinnati Molar, uh, you know, just kind of staying under the radar. Uh, but they going into Saturday's game against Centerville, they had won twelve of their last thirteen games. Uh, they had a really big win against St. X on Friday night. And then, unfortunately, uh, sophomore forward Kingston Land rolled his ankle in that game, did not play Saturday against Centerville. Uh, but that they, they kept it to, I think they lost uh, by five points. So they were kind of playing from behind the entire game, but they did make a, a push late to kind of keep things a, a little interesting. So, Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about doing the show, guys, with these two. Uh, is I don't even have to say anything. Uh, TJ completely just took what I was going to say about Louisville not being in Division Two. Uh, it's got to be one of those like, ah, St. V bumps up to one. Ah, uh, there we go. We're going up there too. Um, but you're, you're, both of you are exactly correct. That would be a team that would be a serious contender um, in the D2 ranks. It's kind of a shame that they got bumped up and they're in that bad spot where they're, at the bottom of that Division One enrollment, but it's just kind of the way it goes. Um, for me, there's two teams I wanted to, to, to shout out. Uh, first one, I, I believe that you recently saw these guys, TJ. Cincinnati Woodward. Yep. Um, currently 15-2. and two. Um, Had nice wins over Dunbar and Withrow last week. Um, Rue Mills is a guy that, uh, that stands out for them. Uh, they have a huge game this Friday against Taft um, in that uh, CMAC. That's going to be that, that's that's a huge game. Taft won the first meeting, so I want to give those guys a shout out because the, they're currently 15 and two, and kind of flying under the radar really because you know Taft gets a lot of the pub and, and rightfully so in that conference, but uh, Woodward has been very strong, uh, especially with the graduation of 4 p.m. Um, they uh, they are still doing it well down there, and then the other team I wanted to mention is kind of a um, sentimental, I guess, uh, a, a school I used to to work at uh, a lifetime ago, Harrison Central, um, over in uh, Harrison County uh, in Caddis, if you will, uh, picks up a I big win. I did not know it was pronounced like that. Yeah, big win over uh, previously undefeated Martin's Ferry. Um, in the Buckeye 8 Championship. That was on a neutral floor at, floor at Bel Air. And then they um, bounce right back last night and go to East Liverpool and pick up another big win um, in those OVAC standings. Uh, East Liverpool was uh, the top seed currently in 4A and 
Harrison went on the road and beat them by double digits. So shout out to Woodward, shout out to um, Harrison Central for, for great weeks and um, look forward to see what those two teams do down the road. All right, how about player um, player of the week or just a player that is is have been standing out to you? TJ, I'll start with you on this one. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the player you just mentioned um, in Rue Mills out of Woodward. Uh, when I tell you he is one of the elite athletes, not only in Southwest Ohio, but in the entire state, and his motor is nonstop. It was just so fun to watch this guy flat out compete. I mean, he'll go coast to coast, Euro step, finish, and then he's the first guy sprinting back on the other end to challenge a shot. He was just non nonstop. And I, I think it's it's equally as impressive because uh, he's not the greatest shooter. And I, I think a lot of people are aware of this, but yet no one can stop him from doing what he wants to do. Uh, so he's just an incredible athlete, gets really low on the drive, can turn a corner, and he, he's a talented finisher and a kid who is just fun to watch. Uh, I feel like in today's game when it's kids who just flat-out compete are few and far between, he's a guy that you know exactly what you're going to get night in and night out. Mike? Uh, I am going to go with uh, Charlie Russell, um, Bishop Reedy, undefeated. Um, he led the way with 25 points um, as they stayed unbeaten. At a, uh, was it a neutral court win at the Smithville event over yeah. Berlin Highland? Um, he, he's, a, he's a baseball commit um, to Air Force, but he, he's been getting the job done all season on the hardwood. I really like showing love to... Uh, kids that are getting it done, um, even in what isn't their main sport. Uh, I think all three of us are big proponents to kids playing multiple sports in high school. Um, and I think Russell is the definition of a kid uh, who's already committed D1 for baseball. Um, he could have just sat out and not played basketball this year, but he wants to compete for a state title with a bunch of kids that he grew up playing with. And he's having a great year. Bishop Reedy still sitting undefeated. Uh, one of the best teams in Division Two, so he's a kid that I wanted to shout out. Yeah, people um, that I have talked to that have seen Reedy just kind of rave about the way that they <clears throat> flow together. You can tell the guys have been playing together for a long time when you got that kind of chemistry. For me, um, this is kind of low-hanging fruit, but um, Austin Parks, um, future Ohio State Buckeye, I had 45 points the other night. Um, that is um, a single season. I believe he set the single season scoring record at St. Mary's uh, Memorial. So huge, huge honor there. Um, St. Mary's currently 12 and five have won eight straight games. Uh, so Parks is, Parks is a guy that is really had, has been killing it all season. Um, official, official numbers, according to his coach, uh, Dan Hegemeyer, is 21.6 points per game, 8 rebounds, 3.2 assists, nearly 3 blocks, shooting 72% from the field and 75% at the line, which is huge uh, for a big man that, that you know, is going to draw a lot of contact uh, to shoot 75% at the line. So shout out to Austin Parks. At St. Mary's Memorial, and then another guy um, up in that area or up in the Northwest, eh, maybe more 
maybe more northern Ohio, uh, Logan Beeston at Tiffin Columbian. Uh, he had 32 points the other night, which gave him the all-time scoring record at Tiffin Columbia. So um, shout out to those two guys. I believe those are both Ohio Buckets guys. Yep. Um, great program, um, really on the rise. So um, everybody we mentioned, uh, I mean, there's so many guys you can mention in this. And um, one thing that I like about Mike and TJ is like, and, and the one thing I wanted to bring them on for is like, you can get caught up talking about the same four or five teams, the same two or three players. Um, but there's so much good basketball. Like um, if you just take it for what it is out there and kids that are doing great things and, um, guys, you're never going to see at the state tournament, but, um, you know, are having phenomenal seasons and we want to make sure that those guys get covered. All right. So one thing, my lights are going off here. I love the timer, man. I, it, I know that you're, you're, at st you're still at school. So, uh, when you're at school, man, you know, the light timers are, are going off and then you, uh, you know, you're tripping over cords and stuff. The, the the worst is when you're in the in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. All right. So a question that I propose to you guys now that lights are back on. Um, this is interesting because there there's so many ways to look at this. You know, you have coaches uh, that can do a lot with a lot, which is a craft in itself. Um, I always said there's different problems at, at different you know different levels. When you're coaching high-end kids, there's going to be different problems than there are coaching guys that maybe not be as talented. Uh, managing egos, uh, managing parents, managing, um, you know, people that are involved with the player, whether it's travel ball, you know, trainers, all that things that some schools don't have to deal with that. Um, they just, you know, kind of coach ball. But I wanted to look at this week. Uh, just some guys that maybe you thought off the top of your head, coaches that do the most with the least. I, being a Stark County guy, the first person that comes to mind is uh, Tom McBride over at Uniontown Lake. Oh, that's a good uh, one. I, regardless of, of how many seniors they lose, who they bring back, they're always one of those teams that happens to overachieve in the federal league. You know, they'll get picked to finish sixth and finish fourth they'll get picked to finish fourth and finish second they get picked to finish third and they you know they win a share of the league uh so right now the federal league is about as competitive as i think it's been in the last few years i believe everyone has two games left and right now we're sitting at a three-way tie with glen oak green jackson mckinley lake kind of right in the mix but yeah i would just have to get a quick shout out to my guy coach mcbride phenomenal guy seems like he's been at lake or I can't even tell you how long. But, yeah, he, he's a guy that no matter who they have, what they got, they win games. And I think his culture speaks for itself. TJ, is is Lee Foster now the voice of Stark County basketball? So uh, Lee teamed up with uh, Sammy, and they yep. started um, something called Stark Media, which I think is another cool uh, another cool you know outlet for Stark County basketball. They do a lot of federal league stuff. I love it. Live. Love it. Yeah, they provide live streams, stats, standings, things of that nature. 
So yeah, shout out to shout out to my guy. I had no idea you knew Lee. That's my guy. Hey, former um, former Glen Oak Eagle man. Yeah. Um, much better player than what he looks like now. Yeah, he Lee is a guy, and I make fun of him for this all the time. Lee had one move, and it was this little <laughs> hezzy thing that he would do yeah. right to the street. He'd come down, yeah. and you know he's not going to drive it, but it, it worked for him. It worked for him almost every time. So yeah, shout out to Lee. Not to hijack the show, but uh, just a a quick tidbit. Lee's Lee's dad um, is a St. Clairsville graduate. So oh, small world, man. Small world. Um, Mike, how about you? You you see you see a lot of ball, you know, all over the state. What what are you thinking here? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, I am. Stubbs is going to laugh. I'm going to go with uh, current Chesapeake head coach. Um, uh, Stephen, I think it's pronounced Ader. Oh yeah, uh, he used used to be at Wheelersburg, mm-hmm. um, which is who I watched uh, him coach a couple times with, and, and his teams were always tough, disciplined. Didn't matter that every kid on the team was trying to play football in college instead of basketball. He still had those kids going out, ready to compete. Um, they were year in and year out one of the best teams in Southeast Ohio. Just recently rejoined his alma mater to coach at Chesapeake. Um, so he's a guy uh, that I want to shout out because uh, I just have so much respect for uh, what he built at Wheelersburg. Um, and I think it probably won't be very long until he has Chesapeake near the top of the conference as well. That's a, that's a really good one. Yeah. His, his Wheelersburg teams, man, <laughs> you know, talk about some teams that advanced in the tournament where you're just kind of like, what? Yeah. Um, Every every year, you'd yeah. be like, "Wow, they're 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 deep again." It just didn't matter. They almost, um, I, I think the like definition of his team. I, they played uh, Worthington Christian uh, the year that they lost in the state title game, and they were up like six or eight points with two minutes to go. Yes. Didn't find a way to hold on, um, but that just showed like the grittiness and toughness. And I, I don't think a single kid from that team played college basketball. I think he had like three or four college football players. Um, Actually, maybe Carter, Carter McCorkle, who went to Marietta, might have been on that team. But still, um, just did a great job um, year in and year out, success. Well, I, I listed several guys, and I think all these guys are worth mentioning. And I don't know, like, if I started going down a list of, like, I think I started with the right intention of guys that do the most with the least, and then I think it, like, got into, like, guys that I just like. Um but one of the guys that always comes to mind when I think about this is Jeff Quackenbush at Newark. Yeah. Um, and, and I don't want to sit here and act like he doesn't have guys that, that can play basketball. But when you, when you compare his, the guys he puts on the floor to the teams that he has to compete against to win districts and get into the regional, um, it really is amazing what he can do um, at Newark. I mean, you know, he plays in the same conference with Pick Central. And, you know, Pick Central lost two games last year. Newark was one of them. Um, and they were just okay. Um, this year, same thing. Central goes down there, blows Newark out on Newark's home floor, come up here, and Newark almost beats them the other night with far less talent on the court. Um, I think he just does a phenomenal job. And, like, you know, when you gave him a guy like uh, Greg Avery 
um, back in 2008, he won the state championship with him. Um, you know, I thought they were really good the year they had B.J. Dueling. Um, yeah. You know, but there was Central, you know, was, was so good that year with Manley and Jeremiah Francis and those guys. And Pick North was great with Jerome Hunter. It was just a bad year to be great. Um, but I think he does a phenomenal job. I think Mark Kinsley at Green does a good job. Uh, Matt Rooks down at Wyoming. Tom Siegfried, you guys mentioned, Louisville. Uh, Doug Fisher at Sheridan, I think he does a good job. Underrated, underrated, underrated. Blaine Maddox at Vincent Warren, um, really good job. Chad Bird at Wauseon. Uh Scott Elchert at Jackson Center. Um, Ryan Stetscholdy at Kaleida. Jamie Young at Cary. Nathan Speed at Fairland. Um, I think he, Speed was near the, near the top of my list. I too. think he does a great job. Chad Kaiser at LeBray. Uh, Brian West at Norwayne is doing a really good job. Corey Copas down at Georgetown. This is a guy that I think does a phenomenal job. Taylor Iceman at Lucas. Um, Ed Andes at Shadyside. Mark Schlaball, for crying out loud, how he got that team to the state tournament last year. I mean, they should have built a statue in Berlin of that guy for that team he got there last year. No offense, but the fact that he got that team there last year, uh, they should have gave them a like some kind of different trophy for getting that team to the state last year. There, there was no Seeger Bonifance. Uh, I mean, there was no Dylan Kaufman's. Um, that was just all kids buying in and him doing his thing on the sideline. Um, and them Schleyballs, uh, you know, they might get after the officials a little bit, but they can coach. Um, Joe Dunlevy at Indian Creek and Howie Caldwell at Trimble. Those are guys I wanted to just mention because, you know, some of those guys you're never going to see at the state tournament with their team, but they, they can coach ball. Um, they can coach the guys that, they, that come through their doors. So I appreciate you guys mentioning the guys you did. Um, real quickly, um, this, this uh, show last week told you that there was a chance Maysville was going to lose um, to Tri-Valley. They did. Um, I don't know if anybody said anything about Strongsville beating Holy Name. Um, but Holy Name kicked the bucket. Uh, I thought we told you that, that uh, Defiance would beat Liberty Benton. Um, that Defiance was, was almost my team of the week. That was, ooh, that was, a, that was a rear end kick in. Um, yeah, Defiance, Defiance has been really impressive this year. Um, let's see who else here. Uh, Martin's Ferry lost. Ashland Crestview got scorched pretty good by Lucas. Um, so that leaves us with five. Eds, Reedy, Cuyahoga Heights, Richmond Heights, and, and Fairfield. Um, so I want to go, I want to, I want to run through this, um, quickly here. We'll go through buy or sell. Um, this one kind of pains me to even say this. Buy or sell, Northeast Ohio will sweep all four state championships just like they did in 2017. So, yeah, you, you have to sell because as, as favored as they are in D4 and D3, uh, there's just too many other teams uh, that are strong in D1 and D2 from other regions of the state to predict a uh, a four four state title sweep. I think since since I've been covering the the state of Ohio, I believe that in Division One, this is the most parity 
that I've ever seen in a, in a single season. I, I genuinely have no idea how the postseason is going to go. No clue. I was, uh, I was texting with Matt Gould earlier today, and he said the postseason is going to look like a Picasso painting. <laughs> and that is the most Matt Gould thing that he has probably ever said. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I would probably have to sell, but, I mean, definitely it's still definitely yeah, a chance. A chance. There is absolutely um, a chance. Southwest Ohio will not win a state championship for the first time since 2017. So, I believe they get at least one and a possible two. I, w- I would say Centerville and Dayton Chaminade Julian are two teams that are very heavily in the mix. And gun to my head, probably the two teams that I would pick to win state championships this year. Yeah, you have yeah, I would also take one of uh, Centerville, Chaminade Julian, uh, Cincinnati Taft, uh, Fairfield, Elder, Moeller. I, I think one of them probably gets it done. So you guys are both selling on that? Yep. Okay. Um, buy or sell, Ohio needs a fifth division. It, it's so funny that you brought that up. I was going to mention that when we were having the, the Louisville conversation. If you look at the gap between the biggest biggest public school or the biggest school in Division One and the smallest school in Division One, it is absurd. Like to me, there's in no way, shape, or form that a Louisville should be competing with the teams that are at the top of that. It just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense to me. I would love to see a fifth division. I wouldn't even be opposed to what Pennsylvania does, which I which I think is awesome. So I could I could be wrong, but the gist that I got is they they have one A, double A, triple A, and then four A, and then you can bond, you can petition to move up. So if you're in three A and you want to move up to two A, you can move up, but you have to stay there for two years, and you can never move down. So if you're a one A, you can never go two A. If you're two A, you can never go three A. But you can go up and you can continue to keep going up as long as it gets approved. That's how uh, I believe Kennedy Catholic a few years ago was in one A, and they're a tiny school in Hermitage, PA. But, you know, that's when they had Oscar and, you know, all those, and, you know, Mattia and all those guys. Tiny school with a big man. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, I actually like that system. I I think it obviously makes it a little more difficult to track. I mean, there's a lot more movement, a lot more work that goes into it. But I think that idea is kind of fun because I think we have those conversations all the time of, hey, how would such and such fare if they were in D2 this year instead of D3 or, you know, so on and so on. I think that kind of opens the gates. Um, but I would love to see a fifth division here in Ohio. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sell. Um, I, I hear TJ's points, um, but but I think maybe it, it would be easier if you just made division one a little smaller and then you like added 20 teams to D2, 20 teams to D3, 20 teams to D4, and then like all those teams that are on the border, like if you're a border D1 or D2, then you drop to D2. If you're a border D2 or D3, you drop to D3. Same with border D3 D, uh, and D4, you would just drop to D4. Um, I think that would just be easy. Um, I, I think like no matter how many divisions you create, somebody is going to be upset that they got the short end of the stick. Um, so 
yeah, I, I think keeping it at four state champions, but maybe because like TJ mentioned, the gap in division one is huge. The gap between like a mid-sized D4 and a mid-sized D3 school isn't all that big. So I think maybe adjusting where division one is, and then in turn, you'd have to follow and adjust D2, D3, and D4 a little bit. Um, but instead of just adding a brand new division, uh, I think that would be a potential way. Don't, don't go overboard, I wouldn't say, with adding teams uh, to new divisions. Um, but I think a couple more in, in the smaller divisions makes sense because in football, there's a lot less Division One schools than there are in any other division. Yeah. So I don't know why that couldn't be also be possible for basketball because but Division One. Football also has what six divisions versus our seven divisions. They have seven divisions versus our four. So naturally, those divisions are going to be smaller since there's three more. Of them. Yeah, yeah, but in football, like Division One, each region only has like seventeen or eighteen teams, where in divisions two through seven, each region has anywhere between like 25 and 30 teams. So that would be my idea. Just keep it at four, um, four divisions, but then maybe division one only had, how, how many schools are there per division? Is it roughly like 200? Roughly 200. Yeah. Yeah. So then you could make division one, like you can make it 140 schools and then you could make division two, three and four, 220. And that wouldn't have a huge, I don't think impact. Yeah, I, I, I think what they need to get away from is the fact that everything has to be even, like the 200, 200, 200, 200. Um, I, I don't get that. I mean, you know, somebody maybe smarter than me has a reason for that. But um, there there is like a block of schools in Division One that have a huge enrollment, um, you know, down to like, the pick central, pick north, or in the, you know, that six, six hunt, six sixty, six fifty uh, boys, which is, I mean, if, if you can't get five players in that amount, you know, you, you're not doing something right. Um, but when you get down in that 390, that's a whole different ball game than 1700. Um, so I, I think that that is. Especially when you look at a lot of those teams down in that that range, they're they're basically, you know, typically like suburban public schools. Um, that, you know, I, I guess maybe they're playing for, like for example, like Tri Valley for so long was up in Division One in Central Ohio. Like, making it to a district would be winning a state. Uh, Dover it is has no business being in Division One. That's a Division Two school to me all day long. Um, and, and you know where where are they going to go in Division One? They haven't went anywhere. Um, they end up usually getting beat. Like last year, I thought they were phenomenal. Uh, the kid that went to Mount Vernon Naz, um, I thought that team was yeah, I thought that team was really good, and they got beat by a team you know with a pretty average record early in the tournament last year. Um, so it's just Division One is just a, a whole different animal for some of those schools that are pretty good basketball teams, but you know not not in the uh, Centerville, Saint X, Moeller, uh, not in that that category. Menor, places the like that. Tax bracket. 
Yeah, different yeah. tax bracket. And all of them are D2 in football. Well, gentlemen, Some are even D3. We're going to take a quick break, um, and we will be back to finish out the show with On the Spot and the Mailbag Questions. All right, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to The Drive to Dayton, episode number two, here with Mike Roth and TJ Petros, two of the most uh, well-known statewide guys in Ohio, uh, as knowledgeable as it gets. That's why we only bring the best on this show. We're going to close the show today with um, On the Spot, and then uh, got some mailbag questions uh, from actually several people, um, some good ones. So let's, uh, let's, I'll hit you with these on the spots. All right, so first on the spot, best high school basketball atmosphere in Ohio. And can't be, can't be like UD Arena or Centos Center. Um, has to be like somebody's home court. Man, I'm going to take the, the the easy way out on this one. Uh, my personal favorite gym in Ohio, the Canton Memorial Fieldhouse. When that place is rocking, there is no better place in Ohio to watch a high school basketball game. I remember, you know, being being in high school, and we would go watch those Canton McKinley teams, the old 405 or 506. I mean, you were, if you didn't get there an hour, hour and a half early, I mean, you were sitting up behind the backboard. <laughs> it was, yep. I, I will never forget those days. That is far and away my favorite gym. And they just got a new, like, Jumbotron scoreboard set up. So it's really cool. I am, uh, I'm going to go with the Cena game at Lima Senior. Um, there's just nothing, nothing like the, the fans in that, like, Lima ottawa like general area um i feel like that's one of the the few parts of the state that really just loves basketball like that basketball is their number one sport there um and they they travel so well i'll, I'll never forget i was at uh the university of akron for their regional championship with st men's st mary and lima senior had 70 percent of the crowd in attendance um so that is uh that's one of my favorite spots, and then uh, always grab some QPs after the game. All right, you saying that made me think of a game that I saw. I believe this was, uh, might have been the 2019, 2020 season, maybe. Um, I think it was the year before COVID. So I was out in North, Northwest Ohio doing my kind of yearly trip when I go out there, and I went to a Finley, oh, who was it? Finley Ottawa Glendorf game. And it was at Finley, and the game was at 4 p.m. on a Saturday. I'm th I'm thinking it's gonna, you know, it's gonna be an empty gym. So I, I go there about maybe 20 minutes before the game starts. Oh my God, I I had to walk. I can't. I'm not exaggerating. It was about a half a mile. It felt like to get to the gym. When I walk into the gym. I, it was nuts. I think the, the Ottawa Glendor fans drove about 40 minutes, 40 or so minutes to Finley. And it was, they, they packed the house. It was sold out all the way to the top. And then there are assigned seats. They're like season ticket holders. People who have the same exact seat in the same spot, every <laughs> single home game. My, my mind was blown. So thankfully the AD at Finley was a, a, a great guy and a great host. 
he went and grabbed me a, a chair and, and put it right on the, the baseline because there was nowhere else for me to sit. Well, Un- un- unbelievable. I think Northwest Ohio, especially in that area, has some of the most underrated basketball uh, and some of the most loyal fans. Yeah, it was like a 8 a.m. Uh, AAU game. Somebody grabbed you a folding chair. Oh, yeah, it was, it was nuts. <laughs> and I will say this, though, that, uh, that Withrow-Woodward game Friday night, that was a lot of fun. It felt I, went like, the, uh, I went to the other one of that, and it was, it was highly entertaining. Yeah, it felt like they, uh, I was a part of a music video. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it was fun, though. Yeah, I think... You know, at some places, a lot of it depends on how how the team is doing um, that particular season. But there are some places um, where the community support uh, is, you know, crazy no matter what. Um, you know, City League, uh, you know, when them City League teams are good, uh, boy, those, those gyms are, are wild, man. Um, they love it. Love their basketball. Um, some some great uh, great rivalries here in Columbus, Cincinnati. Um, I'll tell you who has a huge fan base is Dayton Dunbar, um, especially when Peter Pullen was there. Uh, I went to a Bookdale game one night down there, uh, Dunbar and Bookdale. I mean, the place is just electric for Dunbar. It's like, uh, you know, they're like the Lakers uh, down there, especially when they're good. Um, you know, and, and I think they're starting to trend back that way with Tony Dixon. Um, but yeah, that, that's a crazy place. Uh, the Supreme court at Ottawa Glandorf is, is nuts. Um, that's, that's a huge home court advantage. Pretty much any of those max schools, um, you know, the Marion locals, uh, you know, NWC convoy Crestview, th- th- those schools all in that Lima, you know, that, that area up there just absolutely love basketball on down 75 to Dayton. Um, it's just a crazy they just love basketball in that area, that western side of the state, and up into northern northwest Ohio. Um, hey, Stubbs, so I, I, this uh, kind of this conversation kind of makes me think of a place. So I had never, I, I'd never been there. Still to this day, I've not seen a game. But I remember this was like mid to late two thousands, maybe oh five, oh six, in that ballpark when those triway teams were really good. Oh, the pit. Yeah, I heard the pit is like one of the most unique and insane places whenever they, they're really good. It's like one of the best home court advantages in Ohio. I, I remember that conversation being thoroughly talked about when I was in high school. Yeah, those uh, those Keith Snotty teams uh, back in the mid-2000s, coach, he coached in the cowboy boots. Got, I mean, he got to love it. Um, but Randy Montgomery, uh, a guy I know you're familiar with, had a ton of success at Triway. He's really the one that kind of jump-started that program. He really had some great teams, always at the top of the polls. Um, for me, uh, you know, I just mentioned some teams that, that I know have great home court advantages. Um, you know, I don't know if you've ever uh, – Old Winland Memorial Gymnasium in Zanesville was a crazy home court advantage low ceiling um you know i'm, I'm kind of going back to the days when zanesville was uh, ranked in the top 25 in the country in the usa today poll uh, i think they got as high as two maybe one year two or three um, cambridge was an unbelievable place to watch a game at their old gym when uh, gino ford and dustin ford and those guys were playing 
Um, in my alma mater, um, hey, it's my show. I can do whatever I want. Um, now, actually, it's our show. Uh, St. Clairsville, if you have never been to a game there, don't knock it until you try it. Um, if it is a if it's a rival, which it seems like they have like 50 rivals, um, or just a big game in general, that place will be electric. Um, trust me. Um, if you've so never, how been, many football trophy games does St. Clairsville play a year? Uh, quite a few, almost every week. <laughs> as long as we got the coal bucket from Harrison Central, um, but. No, it's I've been it, to a cold bucket game. Yeah, it's a it's a great a it's a great place to play. Um, the gym was built, I believe, in the fifties, uh, so it, it's kind of unique. Uh, wooden wooden bleachers, um, but yeah, just a great place to play ten games every year. Uh, when I was in high school, we were only playing twenty, but and great great pizza down that way too. Uh, yep. I, I think the valley has. I don't know. I'm a I'm a big Valley Pizza guy, man. Yeah. Like, go to. Zon- I gotta try it. I could next time I'm there, I have to try it. It's the cold Zon- toppings, right? You gotta go to Zontini's in Martin's Ferry. Oh, that's that's my personal spot. Holds a holds a place in my heart. It's very <laughs> very different than what you're accustomed to, but yeah. Yeah, that's um. You know. When, when I was playing, and even probably into the mid-2000s, there were still a lot of stages, um, like gymnasiums that we would play in that were on stages. Uh, so you'd have, like, you know, the that seating. Was like middle school days Yeah, like, me. the seating on one side would be regular seating, and then it would be, like, people are out in the audience at, like, a play. Uh, very, very strange atmosphere. Martin Sperry had one of those. Um, but... Anyway, um, I digress. All right, so last on-the-spot question. Uh, what team or team do you think or do you see appearing to be hitting their stride, um, hitting that streak that every team um, that typically wins a state, especially in the two divisions two, three, and four, um, do you see any team out there that, that's starting to hit that stride where they're 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 shifting up from fourth to fifth gear? Mm. You know, maybe it maybe a team that's kind of uh lost some games early, but you, you kinda knew like, all right, February, March, they're gonna get it together and you know this You mentioned is- Moeller earlier. Um, both their injury, that's one. Maple Heights is on fire. They're on a 14-game winning streak in Maple Heights right now. Who's the coach at Maple Heights? Who's the coach at Maple Heights? Bink. So, yeah, shout-out Coach Bink, man. Coach Anthony Burns doing a phenomenal job in his first year. Shout-out Chaz. Shout-out Charles Wolf. <laughs> I would say it's – it's tough for me to kind of put a finger on one specific team or teams, uh, quite frankly, because I feel like everybody's just beating everybody. I I, I can't even keep up. And like when like if you were to take even just Northeast Ohio alone and just make like a spider web of who's beating who, and then this team matched up with this team and beat them by twenty, and then played this team that lost to like it's it is insane. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say outside of Moeller, like we already mentioned, 
Uh, I think a team that's kind of flying under the radar a little bit in Division Two is Akron Bookville. Uh, I, I like their chances. They had a really big win over Ferndale um, not too long ago. Then they played Akron East for the second time, and I think ended up smoking them pretty good. So I would say Bookville is a team that has a chance. Uh, not that they weren't, you know, ever looked at as a, a top team in Division Two, but I think they're kind of playing some of their best basketball. Coy Thurman has been phenomenal as of late. So, Minford, another team in D3, that's really starting to hit their stride. They're uh, starting to blow some teams out um, where in early of the year battles, they were more competitive. So that's a team to keep an eye on that you'll probably see like an Afrocentric or Harvest Prep have to go through uh, to make it to Dayton. I was thinking of a team, um, Mike, I think you got you mentioned these guys last week. Um, they lost their first game of the year to a really good team uh, in Rushi, uh, but I think they've won like 17 in a row now, or eight, maybe 18, but I think it's 17. Jackson Center. Um, man, I, I haven't seen them in person. I haven't seen even a full game of a stream, but just the, the highlights that I've seen, you, I, you just get the feel about that team. Like, they're really good. Like, their guys are big. Do you know if they go down south or if they're in northwest? They're, I believe they go to southwest. Southwest. Okay. That uh, that Molenkamp kid, I think his name is Jace Molenkamp. I mean, he that kid is a nice player. Um, you know, they they, they, uh, they got Rushi back the second time around, ended up, I think, beat them by maybe 13 or 14 in the second yep. in the re rematch. But um, that's a team – that is always relevant in the tournament because of their style of play. But this team is playing a lot different. They are not playing games in the 30s this year um, it, because he's got guys that can put the ball in the basket. And that, that makes a, it's always been the key to the game, putting the ball in the basket. And they don't have to play those games in the 30s anymore. Um, they can win, you know, win games in the 50s and 60s and, they're a lot more exciting this year. And I know Coach Elchert could care less about being exciting. He's looking to win games. But um, they're a team I wanted to mention. All right, let's get to these mailbag questions, and then we'll get out of here um, on a Wednesday. I got AEW tonight. Um, so make sure, I'm, make sure I've ate, eaten dinner and I'm ready for that. But my man, Tony Peters, uh, I believe you guys both know Tony. Um, he wanted to know, um, who we thought were some, and I don't even know if it's early because it, it's, it's getting late, uh, candidates for Mr. Basketball. Uh, and I'll let you guys, I'll let you guys, um, tell me what you think. And then I'll, uh, shout off a couple of stats here. Oh, uh, first few names that come to my head. I think George Washington the third has to be in this conversation. I would say Gabe Cups again. Uh, Devin Royal, who was probably my pick last year. Um, I would say those are probably the first three names that come to my mind. Great. Those are good. Yeah, great names. Um, I think Dalen Swain, yeah. uh, Laurent Rice. L.A. Hayes, um, Colin White, uh, Luke Skaljack, um, some like outside guys who, who maybe not in contention to win it, but like 
first team all state guys um will at least be in the discussion um trying to think of I, I, others. Wish, I wish that mr basketball would be decided at the end at the very end of this season. i think that would have changed last year's outcome i i just i <laughs> I, I never i never understood that and I, I don't think i ever will but it's a different conversation for a different day because they don't award it till after the state title game anyways Correct. I mean, one thing, if they like honored the kid, like during the D four state title game, you know what I mean? Then like it'd be like, well, we need the votes, but they don't do that. Yeah. So the way that the Mister Basketball, I believe, is set up, each region can only nominate one player. Uh, so if you whoever wins the region player of the year, I believe that's those are the names that get tossed into the pile. Um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think the like we mentioned the you know the parody earlier, I think that kind of throws a wrench into this as well. I, I don't think there's a clear favorite. I don't. Yeah, you guys. Um, I, I had a list here, and um, I have no idea how I completely forgot your OGW three um, no. at Chaminade, but uh, he's a he's a great name to add to the list. And uh, I didn't have I didn't have Swain. Hayes or Scaljack, and those are great names as well. Um, you guys mentioned Royal. Um, Laurent Rice is a is a dude that is having a year. Um, currently, twenty four points a game, nine rebounds, five assists. They're fifteen and three. Um, a couple close losses, and then you know the blowout loss to Centerville. But uh, he's having a phenomenal year. Uh, last year's winner, I don't know if you've even mentioned, uh, last year's winner, Gabe Cups. Um, probably, it's it's like one of those things where, like, you know, him and Power would kind of, like, split that, you know, would probably split votes um, being on the same team. Um, but definitely both guys worth mentioning. You guys mentioned, or one of you mentioned Colin White. I would also throw a couple other names in the mix. Um, Austin Parks. I think has to be in the mix um, at St. Mary's. I think Darren Peterson um, at CVCA uh, has to be in the mix. Um, it's amazing how good he is, but how little he's known outside of like the basketball junkies. Um, you know, with with his talent level, um, and, and I just don't know how long we're going to have him here in the state, but. Uh, you know, he's a name that needs to be mentioned. Um, Devin Royal, uh, currently about 20 points a game, seven and a half boards, shooting about 42% from three, uh, which is, is really, really good. Um, and, and it's not like, it's not like he's four for 10. I mean, he's, he, uh, he leads the team in three point makes. Um, uh, Markel Johnson, I think is shooting around 45% from three. Uh, he's, he's having I mentioned it on, on Twitter a few weeks ago, but I think Markel Johnson's kind of been a bit of an unsung hero for that team. I yeah. think he's kind of stepped into that role that was, you know, left available, you know, from, you know, you, you lose Sonny Styles, you lose, oh, man, what was his name? Jo was Josh? Josh Harlan. Josh Harlan. Josh Harlan. But, you know, two really, really Dude. gritty guys who made a ton of winning plays, you know, in the postseason. I think Markel Johnson is a kid who kind of slides right into that. And yeah, he's been having a phenomenal year. 
So a couple of things. Um, and, you know, us three are just shooting names off and of guys that, that are well-deserving. But here's some things to think about, um, uh, Tony, to answer your question. Um, there hasn't been a player outside of Division One or Division Two to win this award since 2006. Wow. And that was O.J. Mayo, um, and he would have won it in 2007 had he not went back to Huntington. Um, and the only other winners outside of Division One and Two um, are Mayo won it in 05 as well. LeBron in 01 was in Division Three. Jason Collier, former NBA player, 96. Aaron Hutchins played at Marquette. And Bob Patton, who played at Stanford. So those are the only guys to ever win it from Division Three or Four. So Colin White, um, you know, I, I, I think he is a legit. Yeah, him and he's a, Yeah, I think both of those guys are legit candidates, but just the, the facts tell me um, otherwise. And then, you know, when you look at what Cups is trying to do, Cups is trying to become the seventh player all time to win two, two uh, Mr. Basketballs. Listen to this list. Jimmy Jackson, Greg Simpson, LeBron James, who is the only three-time winner, O.J. Mayo, Jared Solinger, and Luke Kennard. Um, that would put yourself in some pretty high class um, I don't think Cups is going to win it this year. Uh, I'm not saying he's not deserving. I just don't think he's going to win it. Um, and I always look like and go, all right, who's committed to Ohio State? <laughs> and when you look at that, Devin Royal, Austin Parks. I think I think Mr. Basketball comes down to those two guys. Um, I don't want to say George Washington is out of the race, um, you know, committing to Michigan because Xavier Simpson won it going to Michigan. Um, but I don't think there was any, um, I don't think there was an Ohio State commit that year. Um, I think that was, what, 2016. So my guys that I, that I think are really legitimately in the running would be Royal, Parks, and George Washington would be my three. But everybody that you guys mentioned, phenomenal players, all worthy candidates. Um, also from the mailbag, and, and this is Brayton Martin wants to wanted to know, and we'll narrow it down to this. Do you think within five years, Ohio will have a shot clock? Oh, man. When, when I tell you I am... No offense, but I am so sick of this question and this debate. It's two of us. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's like clockwork. I, 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 all it takes is one low-scoring game anywhere across ah. the state, and it's just a it's just a wave of shot clock tweets and conversations. Uh, quite frankly, I could care less um, if it happens or not. But within the next five years, I do believe that we will see a shot clock in Ohio. As my gut tells me, in five years, we will have one. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, I think it'd be a positive, but I, I think it's uh, it doesn't change as much as some of the shot clock opponents expect it to. Um, so I'd be welcome to the change. Um, but there's, there's some teams it's going to affect a lot, 
and a lot of teams where it really won't affect them at all. Um, maybe you'll see some end of game situations that are a little better because of a shot clock. Um, and you'll see uh, the GCL South scores be a little higher at halftime. But other than that, not going to be all that much different. The yeah. other crazy thing was in that GCL game, in the LaSalle Elder game, they scored like two less points in the fourth quarter than they did in the first three quarters combined. They scored like 45 points in the first three quarters, and they scored 42 in the fourth quarter alone. So, I don't know. I think whenever it does happen, there will be a major adjustment period that's going to take some time in terms of people who are running the clock, getting used to running the clock. The, The official is getting used to officiating with the clock. I think there's a there's a lot of proponents that factor into it that not a lot of people really take into discussion when they're tweeting from their from their bedroom. So. I mean, yeah, you got Bill who's running the clock just trying to get a free chicken sandwich, and, yeah. and now he's he's uh, you know you're gonna have to train him on that. But I'm with you guys. Like I, I'm gonna be honest. If it if it comes great, if it doesn't great, I don't care. Um, That's you know. You're going to have, you know, on some teams, you're going to have bad basketball players taking quicker shots. Like, whether you take it, you know, 45 seconds or 10 seconds, bad basketball players are bad basketball players. Um, you know, this isn't, this isn't college, and this isn't the pros. Um, and to be honest, you know, I witnessed the game last night um, of guys that uh, – you know, are on scholarship to play basketball with a shot clock, score 44 points in a 40-minute game, the Vanderbilt Commodores. You scored 44 points in a 40-point in a 40-minute game with a shot clock. Three of 30 from three-point range. I'm pretty sure that each one of us could punt in three of 30. So. Just because you have that clock doesn't mean you're going to score more points, okay? And I know Eric Flannery right now, he's probably getting ready to text me. Paul Biancardi's got me on speed dial right now. Gentlemen, and and Eric and I have talked about this. I told, you know, kind of Eric, you're in the fantasy land, buddy, of high school basketball. You live in the 1%. He coaches Eds. He coaches USA Basketball. All right. He does not coach at um, Kinsman Badger um, or Ironton St. Joe's, uh, where where the players uh, don't know if it's brutal shots. I mean, Ironton St. Joe's is just sitting here peacefully, and they're just like, wow. (laughs) I mean, but you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. Yeah. No, I've drove past the school, and I love St. Joe's. Listen, I love Eric. I love Flannery. I think he's a fantastic basketball coach. I just think he's off on this, um, in the reason in the reasons behind. It's a lot easier to to teach Kyrie Irving how to play within a shot clock than Kurt Stubbs at 16 years old. All right. So, um, I, I still love you, Eric. Even though we can ad- agree to disagree on this, but if it comes great, if it doesn't great. You know, I don't think any of us are going to stop attending either way. Nope. Um, last couple here. Uh, our guy Kyle 
one of the greatest basketball. No, Kyle is a, is just a fantastic sports fan. Um, Kyle is a, is a psychotic. He does not discriminate against psychotic. any of the sports. Kyle, Kyle will go anywhere and everywhere to, to watch a game. There is no place that Kyle won't go. Love that. Uh, uh, man, I love I, that, dude. I love, I love it. it. Um, he wanted to know, um, you know, just the thoughts on Martin's RPI for, in terms of for seating and, and if he thought, like, if there was any tweaks. And personally, I, I don't – I haven't, like, looked into the nuts and bolts of it as far as, like, the, the entire calculations. Um, so I don't, I don't know exactly what would need tweaked. Um, but what's your thoughts on – I think Northwest Ohio is doing it for seating. And TJ are laughing because we had a long text thread like a week ago about this, like a 25-minute back-and-forth argument. Yeah, so me me and Roth are on complete opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to Martin RPI. Uh, and, and I want to start this off by saying I think it's a phenomenal tool. Like, I can't even imagine the time that he puts into it. I, I think yeah. it's unbelievable. Um, I think it is a great complementary tool. But to use it and it only solely for seeding, um, my gut doesn't agree with that. Um, just because I, according to, I believe it, it were it was last week's rankings. Uh, we and this is no offense. I think these are two pretty good basketball teams, and they've both been having great years. But any system that has Avon Lake and Nordonia ahead of Centerville, in my opinion, needs some tweaking. And that's just, I mean, that's the, the, the nicest way I could, I could possibly say it. Uh, I don't think it takes a, the smartest person in the world to realize that Centerville is, without a doubt, a top three team in the state. Fair. That's fair. Yeah, me, me and TJ went back and forth with this. Um, I mean, uh, he, he, used, he compared his rankings to the football rankings. And a lot of the teams that he had ranked higher than the football computer rankings that OHSAA used did better in the playoffs. Um, so, like, if there was, like, a 10 seed that he had ranked higher than a 7 seed, that 10 seed was more likely to win. Um, so, like, I, I think his formula is really good. Like, football also uses um, a pure computer algorithm, and they have forever. And football prevents teams from going to the playoffs. Like, regardless of what your Martin RPI ranking is, you will still make the playoffs in basketball. There's no in or out. Um, I, I understand some of the complaints. I, I agree with TJ that I think Centerville's better than Avon Lake and Nordonia. You'll hear no arguments from me there. Um, but I, I, think, I think I use this to TJ as well. I, I think it's just as absurd that coaches would just be able to vote for their buddies really highly um, because that just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Like if you're, if you're a school in like a conference that has a bunch of, if you're like a D3 school in a league with a bunch of D1 and D2 schools, and then you go to that D3 voting and you've only played like two schools, you're not going to get as much love because the people don't know you as well. Um, uh, another reason why I think this could be good 
if you go off a Martin RPI, you don't need to do the vote a week and a half before the regular season ends. You also could just push it back to the end of the regular season and have the coaches vote. But if you're purely going by Martin RPI, there's no need to seed the teams this Sunday. You could just wait to seed the teams at the end of the regular season. Um, which I think is also possible even if you aren't just using Martin RPI to wait for the end of the regular season. Um, so that would be something that I would like to see because I think, I think we might... a happy medium somewhere, yeah, somewhere between both me and Rob. And I, I think that's the, the sweet spot. I think combining the, the Martin RPI, the algorithm, the tools with people who have seen these teams in person live, Right. With some sort of like, I think there is a combination of factors that need to be in play and not just one system. That's the end all be all. And I, I agree. I, I don't like the, the coaches voting. Uh, I know here in Stark County, I get a lot of phone calls and text messages about, oh, such and such. And, you know, these three, four, they all, you know, voted against me. And, you know, yep. they voted me ninth and I beat them. And I mean, it's. So I, I do understand where Roth is coming from from that standpoint as well. But yeah, there, there's, there's got to be a, another. There's got to be something else factored in. I, I don't like going solely off of one thing, and regardless of what it is, whether it's Martin RPI, I don't. There's has to be multiple voices, multiple things in the pot. Uh, Stubbs, you you can you probably know better than me on this. Um, but I was covering Southeast Ohio football pretty heavy. And the one year that the football coaches got to vote, um, the COVID shortened season, oh, there were some ridiculous individual ballots. <laughs> there were there were there was a five and zero Southeast Ohio team who was voted like twenty fifth out of twenty nine teams in the region, <laughs> and they ended up being like the four seed, even though they were unbeaten. Um, and they were they were a Southeast Ohio team in a Southwest Ohio region. Uh -huh. um, so that's just a prime example of just where where coaches votes play, like TJ mentioned. This guy voted against me and I beat him, blah, blah, blah. It's, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, I, I, I'm glad you guys addressed that. Um, I think definitely something to think about moving forward. And, and you guys kind of answered Jeremy Bell's question, which, you know, his – question was what were some thoughts on waiting until closer to the end of the season for seeding teams um, you guys kind of mentioned that um, I think we talked about that last week where like you know we're gonna have the drawing this Sunday and it's like some teams kind of just like at that point it's like all right you know let's play out the string here and let's get let's get on with the show um, you know <laughs> Let's get on to where it matters. Um, but, you know, and then other places, you got the seating, and then you got conference tournaments and things that matter right after that, which there's some big wins in those games that are on the line. So That would change the seating. I mean, I, I'm definitely for pushing the seating back. Like, I, I don't see how it harms anything. Um, and I don't know what the race is uh, to, to get – the seating done, um, I'd have to ask somebody um, in the know. What, what I, I would I would love just a more universal schedule across the state, 
There's no reason. Like we mentioned so, this last hold, hold on. Let me, let, me, let me stop you there, and I'll finish your point. Greg Skaljak, that, that was just the question that he, he was going to ask. So I'm glad you're addressing this. Just kind of that, that uniform across the state, not this district's doing this, this district's doing that. You know, we're starting here. You're going to start there. And, and I think that's kind of what he's getting at. But um, We'll have a team who is in the district final, and they have to wait a week for the rest of the state to get to the district final. You know, some of those teams in Southeast Ohio and Southwest Ohio, they already know who's playing in the district finals while other teams are in the sectional final. It, it's, I, I don't understand it. And if I'm a team that's playing my best basketball, I don't want to sit for seven, eight days without a game. <laughs> right. And I don't think anybody wants that. I would just love for us to get some sort of universal schedule to where right. everyone starts on the same time and things are going at a normal pace it's like we have it's like four different tournaments that just so happen to meet up in the middle mm-hmm. yeah what what i like four different paths to the same tunnel what i don't want to lose from this is like how columbus does their d1 district finals on saturday and then cincinnati does theirs on sunday because that's really nice for people like me and you tj yep. to knock them both out so i think like having like a here are here is a three-day window where you can play like the one sectional finals here's a three-day window where you can play district semis and then here's another three-day window where you can play district finals it doesn't have to all be on the exact same day but as long as it's on the same general schedule because like tj mentions the southeast and southwest ohio teams some of them are being eliminated from the playoffs eight to ten days before northeast ohio teams start playoffs uh, which i think is pretty crazy but also what i don't want to have happen is have every like d1 district final be saturday at 7 p.m yeah, so that I, you can only go to one game um because there are some things that are kind of nice about it being slightly different schedules so that would just be my added hey it is nice that like cincinnati's d1 district finals are on sunday and columbus and like northeast ohio's are on saturday well, we got a little less than a minute left, gentlemen. Um, I, I don't want to um, not mention Ben Swinnerton wanted to know, wanted us to talk more Southwest Ohio. I think we did that this week, but here's the thing, Ben. We've been talking about Southwest Ohio for the past four months with the Cincinnati Bengals. All right, they're done. We'll start talking more Southwest Ohio. Heck, we talked Moeller for like five straight years when you won 400 games in a row. All right, so Ben, we'll get more Southwest Ohio in there if we didn't this week. I went uh, to a Hamilton-Middletown game on Friday. I a, mentioned that. Exactly. For Mike Roth, TJ Petros, I'm Kurt Stubbs. We're out of here.